Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecaster here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Wednesday, November 4, 2020. Post-election day, we had some, and as expected, some wild stuff on our hands. We still don't know officially who the President of the United States is. But the market is doing its thing, so we're going to talk about the market. We're not going to talk about politics. We're not going to talk about that nonsense. Going right to the daily chart, here's what jumps off the page. First, we were looking at the moving averages. You can see today the market basically opened up into them and continued higher. It was a gap and go. We know what happens when the market has a difficult time, or in this case, maybe anticipated a difficult time getting through a particular area. It tends to gap over or under said area. That's an easier way for the market to get to, or a stock for that matter, to get to its destination. The next thing we were looking at was 345 to 346. There's a gap up there. The market got all the way up almost to 348, $2 or 20 S&P handles higher than I thought we would go before pulling back. Now, here's the situation. Obviously, we were in a melt-up. You don't plan on the market being up over 100 handles in any given day. But when it happens, it happens. And therefore, you have to adjust in real time. But the question is, where did the market go to? Where was it actually running to? And what you'll find is... In the notes inside the numbers, when I bring it up later, you'll find out that once the market got over our general area, we had a target on from these videos here. Inside the numbers, we had new numbers. We had to go higher. We needed northern numbers. And what you'll see is pay attention to the numbers we discuss right now, and then you'll see that they correspond to the numbers that were provided to inside the number members during the trading day. And by the way, today was not the normal type of day. It was an abnormal day for a variety of reasons. Obviously, the gap and go and the run higher on who knows who the president is. And then you would say, well, why did the market run higher? Is it anticipating Joe Biden won? Is it anticipating Donald Trump won? What's the story? Well, some of the prevailing wisdom out there would have you believe that the market was going higher because of potential gridlock. So here it is. Apparently, the Senate is going to be retained by the Republicans. Okay, fair enough. Let's say the Democrats have the House, the Republicans have the Senate, that stays the same. Does it really make any difference who's in the White House? Nothing will get done. Nothing got done minus executive order over the last few years, and nothing will get done in the future if you have gridlock between the House of Representatives and the Senate. They're not going to pass any bills. So what the market is saying, and this is the prevailing wisdom, right? It's not me saying it. It's what the market participants are beginning to believe. If you have gridlock and you don't have one party, for example, the Democrats in charge, they would want to normally raise taxes. They would want to take back the Trump tax cuts. That's what they would want to do. They would want to impose additional regulations, some of which have been rolled back under Trump. So more regulation, higher taxes would necessarily be bad for the market. So you would think the market would go down if the Democrats, if the whole thing went blue through and through. Now, it didn't. It didn't yet. So we don't know that. It's just hyperbole. It's conjecture. That's a good word. Conjecture. 
I like saying it, like salsa, conjecture. Let's get back to the numbers. What were we talking about before I got off on a tangent? We were talking about where the market was going above 346. Where was it actually going? Well, it didn't quite get there, but you know that it was going toward what? The breakdown candle high up in that zone. That's pretty much where it went. Didn't get to the top, but look where we started from yesterday's close. No wonder they didn't get to the top, but they came pretty damn close. So what are we talking about? We're talking about this. The high today was 347.94. The high of this breakdown candle is 349.33. Closing price yesterday, 336, about 130 handle difference. No wonder they missed it. It's not really a miss that was said tongue-in-cheek. They went to the general area of where the market broke down before it collapsed. So there's always multiple areas that are breakdown areas, multiple areas that are break-up areas or break-out areas. The market takes the staircase up, it takes the escalator down, but it's still stepping to number to number to number. So case in point, here's a breakdown area. Why? Because the market went down to this spot here, rallied up and failed here. So this is a breakdown area. That's one, okay? Then we can have another. Thank you, sir. May I have another? So the market fell here, put in a bearish, wedgish, flaggish kind of pattern, and from this day here, broke down. That's another breakdown area. You can look at the market a lot of different ways. That's why I always say, and I teach in my course, that it's part science, part art form. What I'm discussing now is part of the art form. It's how I look at the market. It's how I teach others to look at the market. And you bought a ticket to my ride, so this is what I teach. Net-net, from today, above the moving averages, the market's in okay shape. So they pulled back from the highs. They were up so much, what's the difference? Let's put it in perspective. The SPY was up over 2.3% today, almost $8. That's after a big pullback. Again, so what? They were up a tremendous amount, and they finished the day up a lot. So here's the pullback that I'm talking about. Here's a 10-minute chart. Here's the high of day. High of day is 347.94. They basically dripped lower. They basically fell into the 50-period moving average on this chart. Nothing more, nothing less. There was no hard sell. There was no tremendous rejection from a specific number. But from here, what's our strategy? What's our schematic? How will we know what's going on? Well, we use a couple of nearby numbers. We use a couple of simple numbers, right? And it's just north of the 50-period moving average, but today's low is a line in the sand. If they get below and begin closing hourly below today's low, then guess what? Then the gap left open from yesterday, the door is open, it's in play, they'll go run and fill the gap. Not necessarily in a straight line, but that was what will happen. Take it one step at a time, one day at a time, one candle at a time. So anything more than that, we'll discuss after that. Or if you're an Inside the Numbers member, that's when you'll have it, which is in real time. What about the flip side? Are they done going up yet? Well, let's pull back the curtain a little bit and look at this from a bigger picture perspective. First, this gap is still important. 346, if they get above and they close a day above 346, That'll be important, but then they still have to contend with the breakdown candle high. Fair enough. So we have 
two areas, two numbers on the upside that they'll A, be attracted to if they begin back up, and B, should be overhead resistance, and C, if they get above and close above the whole thing, they're probably going to go make new highs. Again, not all at once. I'm just telling you, kind of projecting into the future what I would be thinking at that time. How do I know what I would be thinking? I don't. I just made that up. By the way, I want to get back to something that I opened up, meaning opened up Pandora's box or a can of worms on this before. I don't want to get deep in the weeds, but we're going to talk about the president of the United States. Let's say Joe Biden becomes president of the United States, and we talked about the gridlock where Congress can't do anything because Senate goes one way and the House of Representatives go the other. But here's the deal. Make no mistake about it. Let's project a little further. The president or the president's administration with their policies can do a lot of damage one way or the other, depending on how you want to look at policy. What are they going to do overseas? What are they going to do with our allies? What are they going to do with our non-allies? What are they going to do on the regulatory front with energy and that whole Green New Deal deal and all that stuff? Well, here's the short answer. Make no bones about it. The market's not going to like them at all. If we're not going to get a two-term tweeter and Trump's out, he's a one-and-done, then guess what? The Biden-Harris clan, they're going to reside over a pretty decent market crash. They'll blame it on Trump, we all know that, but they're going to have to deal with it nonetheless. Inside the numbers, so we had a market that was on a runaway train today. First off, it's hump day. The overnight futures went on a bit of a rodeo as expected. During the election, depending on what the media was saying, the market's up, the market's down, whatever. We all knew that was going to happen. Let's see what we've got with the early thoughts. Let's talk numbers right out of the chute. The bulls are out in force. That was an obvious. First off, they're opening above that gap from yesterday. You'll remember 338.22. That's the start-off point or the jump-off point. You can see the numbers on the board. The 345-346 area was the number that they really blew right through. The numbers are big picture awareness stuff. And lastly, if there's a failure before or after the open, we'll address it in real time. The writing was on the wall. We weren't getting a failure. It's easy to say now, looking back like a Monday morning quarterback. But if I thought we were, I would have put the numbers on the board. Like I do every day. Moving right along. As we got closer to the open, the market got stronger. Big rally at the open. We're obviously not going to chase the market, right? Right. We'll let them open and conduct whatever early shakeout operation they have in mind. You can read the rest of the notes, pause the video, do with it what you please. We had a late edition on Caterpillar, one of the stocks on the move. So I added a number down south because it started to melt away closer to the open. So I made the adjustment. I realized some traders didn't see it. It was a late edition, seven minutes before the open, but I'm doing the best I can. It happened. I adjusted in real time. If you miss the deal, so be it. Right before the open, a just-in-caser 3375 was a number on the board that I would have been a willing participant on the long side. They never even got down there. Moving right along. Interestingly enough, early in the day, the transports, the IWM, and the financials We're all diverging from the S&P, the Dow, and the Qs. It was just interesting to see. So something different could have developed today, but it didn't. And we're moving right along. 
Still, about a few minutes or 15 minutes after the opening bell, again, they're flirting with the big fat round number of 340. If they get below, it opens the door for the same 3370, 337. That was what I was discussing earlier. And then we have the high of day, which is the gateway now to 345, 346. So we know one thing. So first, this is the first real deal of the day if you wanted to take the deal. If you're a momentum trader and they get above the high of day and you want to ride it up toward that gap, more power to you. Not a trade I'm normally willing to take early in the morning in the first 15 minutes of the day. That's a tough trade. They can turn around on a dime. But there are some that will take it. There are some that did take it. Kudos to you. Here you go. If they start closing hourly above 342.98, it opens the door for 345.346. Hard to believe at the time, but the numbers are the numbers. I don't make them up. I don't invent them. I just report them. Here's one at 10.02. The hint would be closing even short-term candles above 342.98, like 10 and 15-minute ones. So what we're doing is we're talking about how to get on board for 345-346. There's your 342.98. Here's a 10-minute chart. You can see they start closing candles up there, and they just grind higher for quite a while. First, running into resistance where? 346. We know about 346. We've been discussing it for a couple of days. We discussed it all morning long. The market runs up there in a hurry. Guess what? In a hurry, it's going to be overhead resistance. So here's the deal. They're filling a gap. They run up there in a hurry. They're up a tremendous amount. It's a trade. It's a bona fide trade on the short side. You have to take profit along the way because look what happened. We're talking about taking profit along the way before this thing happened. However, all they did was have a slight pullback and then they went back up. So we always protect against that. That's how we treat this as a business. You'll see this in the notes, but they did come down a nice little chunk. The low here was 343.94. It's $2 or 20 S&P handles at the end of the day. Not at the end of the day, but at the end of the trade. Here, let's see what the notes say. So 345.75 to 346 is the spot after 345.14. There's a little bit of a typo in there, fat finger, I suppose. Or they may get rejected, we don't know. So what I'm saying here is if they blow through 345 and they go up to this spot, that's the spot. I wasn't willing to short 345.14. Little blurb on VMC, we'll get to that later. Now here we go, they're shooting up in a hurry, 1020 post. If there's a reasonable short on the board, it's at 345.75 to 346. If they get above and start closing candles above 346, it's wrong. They can spike 346, but closing any candles above would be in the not normal camp. Back to the chart, 10-minute chart. Here we go. High right here happens to be 346.48. So they spiked it a little bit, only for a couple of minutes. They never closed any candles up there, and they came down and they handed you a trade. So what we're trained to do is take profit along the way, and then you don't let a trade like this, or any trade for that matter, if you can help it, go against you. So once you've taken profit, there's no excuse to let a trade go negative on you. Worst case is you scratch out of the rest, meaning the remaining portion of the position that you have on, and let them go higher without you. That's fine. It's all part and parcel to what? 
how we treat this as a business. All right, so you see the short trade on the board. Let's see what else we have. 10.25, so that worked. Now on the way back down, I'm telling you where the support is, 344.45, give or take. There's your 344.45, the horizontal line move. That's the spot, and that was, or slightly below it, support. They found support, they bounced around for a while, and they continued back up north. Guess what? Here's a little bit of a retest. Here's the low of 344.36. They started back up, decided to have one more test, and then they took off to the upside. So that area, when you see that stuff, when you see a number like this on the board, and then you see what the market does around that number, and then you see a retest of that number, guess what? You know the number is a good number. If I give you a number and the market cuts through it like a hot knife through butter, the number was wrong. But if I give you a number and you see this kind of stuff going on around the number, the number is right, it's important to the market, and you can use that number to your advantage. Once the market was above that number, the number is support. If the market got below that number, started closing candles below that number, it's what? Resistance. Case in point. Look over to the right at the end of the day. What was, in fact, resistance? Guess what? It was the same number. What you'll see in the notes when I scroll up is that we started to come back to 344.40 was going to be important into the end of the day. So as the market was coming back down, we were looking at the same number. Once the market got below that number, what happened to it? It became resistance. What is support becomes resistance depending on where price is. That's the way it works. Here, let's scroll up. What I urge you to do, if you're at all interested in this stuff, interested in what happens during the trading day, if you are trading during the trading day and you're not participating inside the numbers, pause the video, read the notes anyway. But if you're not getting inside the numbers, the question you have to ask yourself after seeing the numbers each and every day is, why not? By the way, I think there's an average of 22 trading days in a month. The monthly cost of inside the numbers divided by 22 trading days is $5.86 a day. How much you spending on Starbucks? You getting this kind of value from Starbucks? No, you get fat from Starbucks. Those fancy frappa whatevers. And don't get me wrong, I go there all the time. Let's continue on so that you can read the notes. I urge you to pause the video. Go back to the charts. Double check my work. See where I'm right. See where I'm wrong. See if you can use the numbers to your advantage. There's a lot of notes today. There's a lot of numbers today. There's a lot of learning going on today. Stocks on the move. We look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. VMC, PRGO, CAT, and SMG. We're going to take a look at the charts. SMG didn't hit its number. Took off like a rocket without hitting the number, but was on a rocket ride nonetheless. Vulcan Materials VMC, two numbers on the board. Painting by the numbers, this is the way it worked. The first number was obviously wrong, but I could make the equal case for both numbers in the pre-market. So there they are, 138.33, 134.58. They spiked both of them, but immediately turned around. If you're painting by the numbers and you split the difference, meaning you have 50% of a position at the first number and half the position at the second number, your average is about 136 and a half painting by the numbers as it's going on the rocket ride. You are a rocket ride participant. Went all the way up to almost hit 143. 
even after it went back up, look at the, we'll call it honoring of the 138.33 area, whether the number was a penny or so or whatever above or below that, you can see here that the market knows about this number. Look at this retest right here. What's the low? 138.37, a nickel away, and then it takes off to the upside again. Come on. Base hits put you in the Hall of Fame. Hit the first number, PRGO did, never hit the second number, had a base hit, therefore it is. Melted away after the fact into the end of the day. Doesn't matter. The trade's over. How about Caterpillar? So let's go over this one. Early, the two numbers on the board were 161.65 and 159.15. The stock started melting away as the opening bell started getting closer and closer. So what happened was I put a 157.14 number up on the board and that turned out to be the number. Well, they spiked it by a little bit, but that was the spot. So here's what happened. So let's look at this objectively. This number was off the board because they opened below it. Well, guess what? The same thing goes for the second number. They opened below. So any trader that entered at the third number, trader that would have seen it on the board, they only had one number to participate in. And guess what? That was a nice trade. You also have to put this in perspective. What are these trades? These trades are based on the stocks running to a destination and doing one of two things. They're either going to turn around and go back in the other direction or they're going to hang out for a cup of coffee because there was another destination. But remember this, whether it's support or resistance, the stock is going to go there, whether it's on the upside or the downside, it's going to go there and it's going to at least stop. If the number is right, it's going to at least stop for a while. If it's not right, it's going to cut through it like a hot knife through butter and you'll know pretty quickly. But here, what you can see at the 157.14, once you see the market begin to stabilize or Caterpillar begin to stabilize, you know that that's the number. Now the question is, is it hanging out for a cup of coffee because it's going to go to another destination down south or is it going to turn around and go back up in the other direction? But the first order of business each and every morning is, you have to know your numbers. In order to find opportunity on the board, you have to see what's moving, you have to be able to find the numbers, and then you have to go trade it. Let's get back to the other thing. The IWM, Camp IWM. So what do we make of this? It was up 20 cents today. It was actually down while everything else was up. What do we make out of that? Well, here's what we make out of it. It's a big fat puzzle piece. It gets stamped, put on the table. What they did was they ran back up into what? a former breakdown area. Now you can call the breakdown area the gap. You can call the breakdown area up in this zone here, right around the 20 period moving average in the middle of this zone where the market basically went back and forth in a chop shop formation day after day after day. So if you just slice and dice it, just say the middle of that spot is where the market went back to and it's stalling out. Maybe it goes higher. It's going to have to eat some time off the clock first. But right now that's what's going on. But when we peel back the onion and we say, hey, wait a minute, when the market was up big today, meaning the S&P 500 is up 2%, other markets are up big. How come the IWM, which should be money running to growth, how come it wasn't up more than 20 cents? What's going on? Well, we know how this works. Doesn't necessarily tell us anything for today. Maybe not tell us anything for tomorrow. However, it's telling us something. There's no accidents no coincidences. The IWM not participating is a puzzle piece. It's on the table. It's telling us something.
If the IWM is my favorite market leading indicator and the transports, this is the folks down at the transportation department, they're my second favorite market leading indicator, but a number one canary in the coal mine. And they were down a buck 45 in percentage terms today, 168 points. Are we putting this as a puzzle piece on the table? And yes, we are. You knew the answer to that. I shouldn't have even had to ask the question. Regardless of what happens tomorrow, regardless of what happens the day after that, today was a failure. They went up, they failed, they finished on the lows, they went up into the 20 period moving average, they tried to rally, they couldn't do it, they turned around and failed, finished on the lows when the market was up big for the day. That's a failure, that's a problem, that's a puzzle piece, that's on the table. Just when you thought things were becoming clear, I'm going to muddy the waters once again. Here is the other side of the coin. Remember, we're the umpire calling balls and strikes. Now I'm looking at the VIX. We don't look at the VIX all the time, but when the VIX moves 16 or 17% in one day, six bucks today, I want to look at the VIX. The VIX broke out to the upside. Let me qualify that. So the VIX was going around, so it was basically consolidating like this, okay? The VIX was kind of winding up, and it starts to break out. Here's a gap, right? So the VIX gaps up, and it goes. Now it came back to fill the gap and test the former breakout area. Did it not? Yes, it did. Do we talk about this all the time? Yes, we do. What do we do with this information from here? We say this. Either that was the only case, meaning that was the case. Now they're going to continue back up. They did the thing. They ran the test. They came down to run the test. Now they're going to go back up. Or they have another destination in mind, and we'll know that if they start getting underneath all these moving averages. If they start getting under 27.5 in that general zone, then we know that there's lower prices on the docket for the VIX. When we look at a weekly chart, what are they doing? So here's what we have. We have a breakout last week. We have a reversal in the making of the breakout last week. We're only halfway through the week. So anything goes. It's not over yet, meaning we don't have a reversal week of the breakout, but halfway through the week, we have something brewing. So we have to look further. When you look at the weekly chart, you can see here that there definitely is a case that can be made around 27, give or take 50 cents or so on either side. This was an absolute breakout area. So check this out. So the VIX tries to break up and then basically it eats time off the clock depending on how you want to count it, seven, eight, nine weeks, something like that, coming back down. So here's where we are. It'll be interesting to see where we are at the weekly close. Do we have a failed breakout from a weekly chart perspective, or did we just run a test of something and we'll see what happens by the end of the week? Very interesting. There's a reason why I brought up the VIX. There's always a method to the madness. How about the folks out in Silicon Valley? Check out the type of day they had. Holy smokes. 5% on the Qs. Gap and go over the moving averages. Continued on to what? Climb up the next breakdown candle. Where's the high? The high is 291.48. Where did they get to today? Let's see. 288.77. So they didn't quite get to the high. They've got some meat left on that bone. Kind of like having one of those three and a half foot putts left over. The XLF, how about down 30 cents, 29 cents today, over 1%. What do you mean down? You can make up all the stories about how the financial market is tied to Biden or Trump or this, that, and the other thing. I don't want to hear 
anything about that kind of stuff. I'm looking at the numbers, I'm looking at the charts, and I'm saying the market was screaming today and the XLF was down. Therefore, it's a puzzle piece and it's on the table. Smash Mouth, on the other hand, pretty good proxy for the tech space as a whole, screaming today up almost 5%, along with the Qs, very similar, almost the same. Above all the moving averages, we can only say one thing. The trend is your friend until it's not. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. It's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.